Well, it finally happened. After losing 10 consecutive Big Ten games, the Husker men's basketball team finally has a victory in 2022. I'm Grant Hanson. You're listening to Scarlet Fever this week. We tackle a number of topics, but spend a large amount of our time on said Husker men's basketball team, and we give you a look at what the picture in the Big Ten looks like with about three weeks left to go in the regular season in men's hoops. We'll round out the episode by checking in on Husker women's basketball and softball and baseball just around the corner. Landon and I give our thoughts and a quick roundup to end the episode. But joining this week, a new guest for the first time. Welcome Gavin Struve to Scarlet Fever. Struve has come over from the Omaha World Herald and rejoined the Daily Nebraskan. He is on the men's basketball beat with Landon and I, and Gavin has been kind enough to give us some of his time this afternoon. So thanks so much for hopping on with us, Gavin. Yeah, great, Landon. Glad to be back with the DN. Um, and thought I wouldn't be glad to be back on men's basketball, but um, finally have a win, and uh, not glad to be here. You know, I think that's probably the news of the week, Landon. Uh, the win for Husker men's basketball. Of course, we record this on Thursday. Most of you listening will be hearing this on Friday or later. Uh, so, of course, it was last night for us. You two were there on coverage. We'll break all that down in a second. But first, let's get into the best thing we saw this week. And, of course, for those of you who are not familiar, it's how we like to start the episode out. Something a little informal, a little fun. Could be sports, might not be sports. Uh, as we record this, the James Harden trade just broke uh, in the NBA, so maybe somebody really likes to see that, maybe like a real sicko, you know, an NBA sickos committee. Uh, that is not mine, but Landon, what is yours? Yeah, um, I'm also going not sports. It's nice to be back. I This time last week, I was very, very sick. I caught a nasty 24-hour stomach bug. Um, which was not fun, and I spent pretty much all day in bed, curled up in the fetal position, hoping to not throw up again. It was awful, so horrible. Um, But my best thing is, so last Saturday, my girlfriend and I celebrated our one-year anniversary, which is really fun. Uh, We went back to Omaha, specifically the Elkhorn area is where she's from, so we went and had a nice dinner. We went to a little speakeasy, and we had these really, really cool drinks that the bartender there lit on fire with a torch Whoa. before we got him. <laughs> I was like, I mean, speakeasies are speakeasies. They're like niche. They're probably overpriced for like what you're actually getting. Like the, we each got two drinks and they were just way, way too expensive for what like they should cost. But it was a really cool like like afternoon evening. It was a fun date and nice to celebrate. And the drinks were just really cool. Like I just couldn't get over like how it was all done from like what was in it and then the, the torch and it was just all on fire and. It was pretty cool. So that was definitely the best thing I saw, and I, I got the same thing twice because I was just so like mesmerized by the fact that it was lit on fire. Um, but yeah. Was, well, congratulations pretty, on that. Cool. That sounds like a really good time. Gavin, how about you? Um, I'm going to go a little more cliche here and fit the uh, standard of a sports media major. Um, my best thing is just the college basketball landscape in general right now because um, really that's 80% of what I care about and think about right now, but had some pretty good uh, um, games and competition on the national landscape lately. Uh, upsets like Texas over KU, um, the other one, Virginia over Duke, other night, Oklahoma, Texas fun. Tech, and then Arkansas over Auburn. That court storming was pretty wild and kind of reminds you why you love the sport. Yeah, that was amazing. I was surprised at the whole, like, you know, pyrotechnics behind the backboard. I did not expect that. Is that like a thing now? They were waiting on that, I think. Um, That's cool. I don't really know what 
Like, there, there's got to be some safety measure that was broken by killing the lights, like, instantly as the final buzzer sounded. Especially with everybody, like, running onto the next. court. Yeah, yeah that, like, I, I'm kind of surprised, like, there wasn't, like, any injuries. Or that was a really cool, like, visual. It's kind um, of... I'm sure there's probably going to be a hefty SEC fine uh, <laughs> coming sure. their way. But at any rate, it was a cool visual. That yeah, that's fun. true. I just saw Texas got fined for storming the court against KU, <sighs> which... Too bad. Boo. Oh, well. Boo. I say boo to that. All right, my best thing, uh, I I guess this could be cliche. I'm, I'm going to go two, actually, here, because I thought of the other one that I had. I was going to use it last week, and then I couldn't because Landon got sick, which was sad. Uh, but uh, my thing, at least for this week, that is 100% the weather. I am so stoked right now for baseball and softball season here in Nebraska. Largely, I think a large part of it is the weather this week. It's been amazing. This is my favorite time of year, the spring just coming out of winter. And, of course, it's not real spring yet. Uh, there's still still plenty of time for things to go sub-zero, but it has just been absolutely amazing this week. Driving around with the car window down, it's just oh, it's so great. Uh, so that's my that's my thing for this week. I was gonna say last week, I gotta go with Succession. Uh, I bought an HBO subscription literally because of Succession. Uh, I know Landon, I don't think you've watched. No. Yeah, you haven't watched it yet. No. It's on the list for you, but uh, your other our other senior editors. Um, uh, on the sports staff, and Martin and Jason both have, uh, and so I fr- I just I love this show. The show is so good. It's uh, and then the other part of it for me is like, so I, I'm kind of a music nerd sometimes. Uh, part of it was because of playing band in high school, but the way like they interfuse some of these like darker, um, like sophisticated. Uh, like classical music with like some of like some hip hop beats and stuff like that throughout the song or throughout the show. It's really really well done, and of course it's it's one of the best written shows I think I've ever seen. So Succession for me, that's the best thing I've literally seen um, in the past week. But here's another contender: Nebraska men's basketball picks up a victory. This has not happened since December 22nd, a win over Kennesaw State. I believe the losing streak eventually uh, ends at 12, right? Or was it 13? Something like that. I don't know if it was it. Maybe it was 10. Because that Kennesaw game was late in December. Uh, it was certainly counts. over 10, I think. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, something, something. Uh, 9. No, 10. I think it was 10. Yeah, okay, so it was exactly 10. It, eventually, it did get hard to count. And that's not like... Yeah, it was 10. Like a, a drag, it was literally eventually it was literally hard to count the amount of losses uh, in a row, but it's over. The Huskers take down Minnesota. That was the game that many. I mean, there was there was literally several winnable games in a row. Rutgers, Northwestern, Minnesota was likely the most likely of those, uh, but that is the one that the Huskers end up winning. And you know, especially after a disastrous loss to Northwestern at home last Saturday. This was a win Nebraska badly, badly needed. Uh, and, you know, I'll just start with you guys, and we'll go with Gavin first here because you guys were both covering this last night. Uh, Gavin took the recap piece, Landon over on uh, the opinion, the takes piece. Both of those are up there at the dailynebraskan.com. Just go under sports and basketball. But you're just takeaways from what, what transpired last night as Nebraska finally gets it done, Gavin? Yeah, um, a lot of good developments last night uh, for Nebraska basketball. A lot of them um, unexpected. I guess we didn't expect after so many close games that when they finally did break through and win that it would be by such a comfortable margin, one by 13. But 
Um, seemed more certain than that most of the game. Um, I'd said going into the week that this pretty obviously was kind of the most winnable stretch of games on the schedule, back-to-back home games against the teams that were at that time um, second and third lowest in the Big Ten standings. And then after that Saturday game um, against Northwestern, which I think you were at, Grant? Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I didn't really know what to expect, but um, I guess pleasant surprise for Nebraska um, against Minnesota, how they came back, how they shot the ball, how they um, turned Minnesota over, I guess, was the biggest surprise for such a uh, risk-adverse team and, for the most part, how they rebounded. Landon, how about you? When you look at your takeaways, can you kind of list those four that you brought up and what was the one that really stuck out to you as the most important? I mean, selfishly, I'd love to just sit here and talk about Jamison Battle's 21-point second half, but my mind... My mind kind of goes a lot of places when I just think about, like, what happened last night. And I think the biggest thing for me that sticks out was when I spoke about just, like, what this meant. Because, like, we've seen Nebraska get run off the court, like, a bunch this year. It's it's sad, and it's a crappy reality, but it's happened. I mean, Michigan absolutely dismantled Nebraska in early December, and then Auburn did the same a couple of games later. I still cannot believe that that was on the schedule. Blows my mind every time. Uh, you know, Rutgers has, has run one by 20-plus. Uh, you know, you, you've seen it happen, and then most recently Northwestern. In all of these instances, we kind of got a similar spiel from, Ho- from Hoiberg in that, you know, like, we weren't prepared, we have to, you know, re-up the intensity in practice, things of that nature. After Northwestern, a game in which Nebraska completely fumbled against a Northwestern team that isn't very good, uh, people were kind of sick of the shtick a little bit. Mm. I mean, you even saw on, on, on Hoiberg's radio show on Monday night people openly questioning whether or not he should be employed. Like, seeing that and then having the fan base start to openly turn on you like this, that's got away pretty heavily on his shoulders I mean you can almost kind of feel in the stands that sense of euphoric relief after Nebraska like it was finally ensured that Nebraska would win but this stretch before the Minnesota game felt like a little bit more of a you know a difference it felt like a change a little bit because finally this intensity and practice was able to to translate over into a you know, we wasn't like the greatest basketball game I ever played, but for Nebraska, it was probably its best performance of the season. It was certainly its most complete. So for the team to be able to kind of rally around that and actually make the necessary changes and see hard work and preparation in the week translate into a win, like that's got to be just, that's got to be great for, for morale. So I think that from the takeaways that I wrote, um, that would be... Um, that would be that would be the one that I kind of take away the most. You know, let's take a step back here and look a little bit broadly at that Eric from Kozad call on Fred <laughs> Hoiberg's radio show the other night. For those of you who don't know, Eric from Kozad called in. He was the first caller, and it was not an easy question for Coach Hoiberg to handle. He, he started out, Eric from Kozad did, by saying, hey, look, I called in when Tim Miles was here. Uh, basically, he said, I fired Tim Miles He's on the, the Grim air. Reaper. And he came for Fred, too. Eventually, he said, I think he closed his call. I, the crux of the question was, you know, justify basically why you still deserve to be here uh, as the head coach at Nebraska. And then he closed it by saying, uh, I'm going to have to 
relieve you of your duties as well. Uh, and then there he was hung up on. Uh, so your thoughts on that? Fred went on a pretty long answer. I don't think he ever directly totally addressed the question, but his biggest point in support of why he still deserves to be here, and of course this is before Wednesday night, uh, was the recruiting class that's coming in. I believe it depends on what you look at. could be up to fifth in the Big Ten, sometimes seventh, uh, ranging between the uh, mid-20s to uh, low 30s nationally. That was his selling point, and I would agree that that is probably his best selling point, but when you look at what this year's recruiting class has translated to, and, and granted, there are some caveats. Wilhelm Breidenbach has been injured for most of the year. Bryce McGowan's carries a lot of weight as a five-star in that aggregate for the class, but it hasn't produced, and it's ranked higher than the upcoming one, I believe third in the Big Ten and inside the top 20 nationally. So you guys' thoughts, again, on the call, broadly, how Fred handled it, and then his 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 biggest defense that upcoming class. I mean, I can tackle that a little bit. I just think that, I mean, I can't say that it's not warranted, right? But the way that that Hoiberg handled it kind of shows a lot about just who he is as a person. I mean, I start running into a lot of the the same things that I say for football as I'm saying for basketball. Right. But I really, truly, in my heart of hearts, believe that. Fred Hoiberg really wants this to work, like, yep. like desperately so. I don't – I mean, that's a guy – I mean, think about who he is as a person, right? Like, you know, he's basically accomplished everything he needs to accomplish at the college level in the grand scheme of things. There are very few college basketball coaches that go on to become, like, a Bill Self or a Mike Krzyzewski or a Roy Williams, right? Very few people end up cracking into that top ten tier of, you know, whatever – we're just very lucky to be in an era of college basketball right now with so many great coaches. You know, what else has he really needed to do? He's made tournament runs. He's been high seeds. He's won the Big 12. Like, he didn't really have much else to prove by coming back here. You know, he had his stops at the NBA. He played. He's been an executive. He's kind of doing this because he sees a program, at least from my perspective, and wanted to make it into something that Nebraskans can be proud of. So you have to look at that and yes this year has not gone according to plan and the, the recruiting class thing aside but it's a guy that really really wants to make it work and you can see that in the way that he chose to respond to that question I'm not sure that a lot of other coaches in his position would have been I guess so gracious in, in response to mm. calling out you know I, let's call it what it is a fair and valid critique at this point uh, if you look at his numbers overall they're pretty horrifying uh, but it's a guy that really does want to make it work and I mean we'll see I I still, my personal jury is out on what's actually going to happen. The recruiting class next year does offer a couple of exciting pieces, but I still do think it's probably going to be another offseason in which the portal is hit pretty hard again. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the recruiting class is a selling point, but we saw how this turned out. But above all that, I think that his response and answer was pretty impressive. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I wanted to point out the most about Fred is that all year, he has been nothing short of a professional. He has had, he has shown very, very little anger with any question. I mean, because it's hard. It's hard to come out there, especially in the midst of that losing streak, and answer some of the same questions over and over and over again. And for the most part, he has shown uh, a lot of patience 
Um, and so I respect him a lot for that. I think it's interesting that you say that he didn't have anything to prove when he got here, and I think that's true too. I would argue now, though, that he has to prove, I think if he has something to prove at this point, it's that the Iowa State years weren't a fluke. Yeah, now he has something to prove because um, he's kind of come here and made things in terms of his college basketball coaching legacy a little bit more complicated. His first year, I think, but then it's hard because his first year, I think he has to get a pass because the roster was built in 90 days. They had no, they had, they were right. devoid of any and all talent. And the second year, you have that month-long COVID break, and now you're playing back-to-backs. This year was for me the year like okay, you have the recruiting class, you have a lot of your guys that you've handpicked, a lot of people and recruits from previous regimes are completely out of the system. Like go make it work. It has not worked. And even if you know Nebraska puts it together down the stretch a little bit, wins a couple games, it's still not going to work. So, uh, yeah, now he definitely does have a little bit to prove, especially should he be retained and interested in taking the job next year. Uh, you know, Nebraska can't afford to get out to another start to another start in Big Ten play like what happened this year or um, a start in non-conference play like it did. I mean, even, you know, if, if Nebraska turns around next year and loses a, a, an early non-conference game to, like, South Dakota or whatever, like, the pitchforks are going to be ready to go by December. So he now, yes, has a lot of pressure on him, especially if he comes back next year with, you know, the talented recruiting class that he'll be bringing in, plus whatever transfer portal additions he makes. How about you, Gavin? Yeah, you talk about, like, the last two years, you, ha- you can make excuses for um, it being his first year and then covid last year they were still competitive as we saw down the stretch and maybe that happens this year but i think they finished as a top around top 100 ken palm team last year um this year fair or not a lot of people had nebraska as a potential tournament team before the season um and that is not at all gone to plan um the players even kind of had alluded to that which should be the goal i guess for most programs but um I guess you guys talked about how much is, you can tell he cares and how he's been handling this. Um, I think the last question last night after the win um, at his post-game press conference, someone asked him, um, how is the mood in the Hoiberg household going to be different after this one? He said it's going to be a lot better. And then um, like right after he stood up, he said it under his breath, I can like finally breathe again or something like that, which I found to be really interesting. Obviously been a um, kind of rough, I guess, start to the week, especially with that Northwestern loss exacerbating everything after the string of close losses. But um, this one definitely helps probably, I guess, calm things down a little bit, and we'll get to see if they can string together another one or two down the stretch here um, with an obviously decent schedule. Yeah, I think that might have been the Jimmy Watkins that asked the right, question with was. a little, a little Hoy, and then yeah. a little Hoybergism there at the end with the the, the the Kurt response. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, Jimmy talked about it on Twitter afterwards. Uh, what did you think the difference was last night? What was different from some of these previous games? I could say it feels like the defensive effort for Nebraska was much better, but what stuck out to you? I mean, Fred said himself that he – pretty much attributed it to the defensive intensity, um, which was pretty clear to see right away. They came out the gate and um, I think forced a steal on the first two possessions, blocked a shot on the next one, and pretty much had transition looks the first few possessions. One of those led to that alley dunk to Bryce, um, which we've been kind of waiting for all season. They've had a few attempts at that trade to Bryce, um, and then another one a few possessions later. 
Um, so that was a big thing, and obviously that goes along with them, I guess, seemingly being motivated, which we didn't see Saturday. I'm not sure what the difference there, why they weren't motivated to play Northwestern, a team with a similar resume to Minnesota that should have been um, a very winnable game as well. But um, I guess that also shown through. They were, for the most part, hitting shots, which helped. But uh, just like the forcing turnovers, they forced 18 turnovers, which was Minnesota's second most of the season. Um, and then finally a pretty decent rebounding performance. They tied them on the offensive glass, which is Nebraska's first time this year in Big Den play, not losing the offensive rebounding battle. Um, and they almost won the overall rebounding battle too. But Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian because like the defensive aspect of things is obviously really important and like the the biggest thing that went into what like happened on Wednesday. But I think from my personal perspective, another thing that I just found interesting was the fact that even when Minnesota made things a little bit hairy, Nebraska was able to respond with timely shot making each time. I joked about Jamison Battle um, a, a few minutes ago, but he kind of did take over the game a little bit in the second half. I mean, Nebraska did a really good job keying in on the first half. He was scoreless, only attempted like two or three shots. But then in the second half, he just, just woke up with an early corner three and then really got things going. He pretty much single-handedly willed Minnesota on a couple of occasions to within seven points and eight points early in the second half. And there were times, I mean, even late on with six, seven minutes left that I would look over and Gavin and be like, listen, man, like Minnesota's still just like right hanging around here down 12. Each time the Golden Gophers would, would cut back with, with a three or a battle bucket or something of the sort, Nebraska seemed to always quickly have a response. And the thing to me I think that completely turned the game on its head a little bit was the play of Alonzo Verge. That sequence where he tossed the ball off Eric Curry's back on the inbounds pass for a layup and then hit that transition three on Nebraska's next possession following a quick miss, that kind of felt like the dagger, um, so to speak. You put Nebraska up 15. Uh, Minnesota hung around for a little bit, but never really cut below 12 points. Uh, so I definitely think that the play of Alonzo Verge was was a welcome sight. He'd kind of been off a little bit in recent games. Uh, he still has that, that scoring capability. I had 19 against Indiana uh, on January 17th, but he hadn't cracked that that 20-point threshold in a little while. In fact, that last night's performance was his first 20-point game since December 19th against Kansas State. So seeing uh, Alonzo Verge back to his scoring self was really fun to see. And when he is going, he's so entertaining to watch. Like some of the – once Nebraska kind of had the game wrapped up um, (laughs) – that sequence where Verge took his guy on the wing, I don't know who was on him, maybe it was Sean Sutherland, and just completely broke him down and then stepped back and hit the Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki-esque yeah. one-legged little fadeaway. That was pretty awesome. When he's going, uh, he's great. And, you know, five turnovers and four assists, like, yeah, yeah. But him, you know, pure scoring output, he was really fun to watch last night, and he was a big reason why Nebraska was ultimately able to win. When you look at the upcoming schedule, Iowa on Super Bowl Sunday, Maryland, Northwestern, Iowa again, this time at home. Penn State to close out February, and then the rescheduled game against Ohio State and Wisconsin, which was a regular schedule, regularly scheduled game, that closes out the season for the Huskers. So, uh, so far, seven games left. Can the Huskers find a way to get to ten wins? Is that possible? <laughs> I yeah, I wouldn't say that it's not possible. I still do think that this is a pretty winnable slate of games. I mean, Nebraska, you know, doesn't have the the big bad Purdue or the big bad Illinois um, on its schedule now. It still does have Iowa, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. But 
there's no reason why Nebraska shouldn't be able to put up a competitive fight against Iowa at home. Iowa is still pretty a pretty quality team in terms of offensive efficiency, but it's not like they're operating how they were when, when Luka Garza and Joe Wieskamp were there. There's a little bit of a difference, especially as Iowa's kind of going through a little bit of a period of flux in its backcourt right now trying to figure out who, it, who its point guard is. So I think that's definitely a matchup where Nebraska can take advantage, especially in that game at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, I think that they'll have that one circled. Northwestern is a team I think Nebraska will be eager to get revenge on on the road. That's a team uh, that's kind of sort of on the NCAA tournament bubble a little bit, looking for a postseason appearance at any rate, team that might be tight. I think the big, big one, you, the two big ones you have circled, though, are Maryland on the 18th and at Penn State on the 28th. I think that there's no reason why Nebraska couldn't win both of those games uh, if it continues with the defensive intensity that it's been playing because in terms of talent level Minnesota is about on par with with Maryland and Penn State yeah for me that Maryland one was the biggest one um, I said in my preview going into this past game that Minnesota was our last best chance at getting that first Big Ten win um, and the reason I had almost any pause saying that was because of the Maryland game down the road um, those teams have I would say even more similar resumes than Minnesota Northwestern do but um, at that point if we had if Nebraska had lost um, to Minnesota and then again to Iowa I feel like that Maryland game would seem even more questionable if they even had a chance but yeah now Maryland's a more talented team than Minnesota that's a team that had some clear um, tournament hopes entering the season before Mark Turgeon um, resigned yeah, it's a big one. Uh, the home game against Iowa, which you touched on, after Nebraska gets a chance to see them on the road first. And then um, at Penn State seems similar to Nebraska's first Big Ten win last year when they won at Penn State. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah, the, the Iowa thing will be – I think that'll be, you know, I, I hope – in my heart of hearts, that if Nebraska is hovering at two or three conference wins, that by that time it'll be a pretty fun environment in Pinnacle Bank Arena for that game. As I really am, that would be, I mean, for my money, if Nebraska is able to, to knock them off, I think that, that might be Fred's best win. Um, so there's plenty of opportunity to kind of, I mean, it obviously won't solve all the problems, right? Nebraska, like, at most, the absolute ceiling for this season is probably 10 wins. Um, but at the very least, like, Nip a game off Iowa it might build some morale. I don't know. Might be good. We'll see. Yep. I think it can happen. My take, I'm standing by the take that I think Nebraska can win a game against Iowa. And I would love to be proven wrong, but I think it can happen. Yeah, I think that's certainly possible on paper, but we will have to see. And so, you're listening to Scarlet Fever. I'm Grant Hansen, alongside Landon Wirt and Gavin Struby. When we come back, we're going to give you a look at the Big Ten rankings for this week. Week 13 in the Big Ten. Uh, some... Moving and shaking going on uh, up and down the lineup. So we're going to take a look at those and give our thoughts on how the conference sits. So we'll set the stage when we come back here on Scarlet Fever. Welcome back to Scarlet Fever. Time to get into the Big Ten rankings. It's a piece that I write each week for the Daily Nebraska. You can find it on dailynebraskan.com. I was remiss earlier. I forgot to plug everybody's Twitters uh, in the opener for the episode. So here we go. Find Landon at Landon Wirt, L-A-N-D-O-N-W-I-R-T. 
For me, it's at Hanson15 underscore Hanson, H-A-N-S-E-N 15 underscore Hanson. And our guest today, Gavin Struve, can be found on Twitter at Gavin Struve, G-A-V-I-N-S-T-R-U-V-E. Now let's get into the rankings and we've got some interesting, we have some interesting things here (laughs) because there is a huge Tuesday of basketball in the Big Ten. You had Wisconsin uh, and Michigan State. You had Purdue and Illinois. Those are the top four teams uh, in the uh, DN Power Rankings that I write each week. Uh, That was going into the week. Those are the top four. They all played on Tuesday, and then we had a huge upset the other night, Ohio State falling to Rutgers. And then, of course, you have a similar upset. Indiana loses to Northwestern. So, you know, of the top six teams... Uh, I believe four of the six lost this week. So that's something that's really, really interesting as you break down this this league that has suddenly got a little bit murky. Uh, you know, for a while, one through six were pretty set, I feel like. And now there's a little bit of fluctuation there. Yeah. Um, what Indiana is, is a very interesting case study, especially because of how shorthanded it was. I mean, Losing five players just hours before tip-off is is crazy, and right. against a hungry Northwestern team that is really really hungry to I said hungry twice in like two seconds, uh, really hungry, really hungry. desperate to, to boost its resume, you had you had to imagine that was a pretty difficult spot for for the Hoosiers to walk into. As for Ohio State, I don't know what it is about <laughs> Rutgers at home. I've learned long ago that just just accept Rutgers beating whoever. I mean, if if the Rack hosted the NCAA tournament, Rutgers would probably win the national championship every year. It's just that yeah. that level of, of devil magic at home. So it's almost just like, eh, you know, it was at, it was at Jersey Mike. So you're just gonna lose. That's just what's gonna happen. Um, definitely. I mean, that's another case study right there too of, of a team that's desperate for that resume boosting win, and Rutgers was able to get that. Um, yeah, they take advantage, too. I mean, they, they take down Michigan State at home and then Ohio State. So back-to-back ranked wins, both at home. Yeah, Rutgers might be moving on up into that top six, which is absolutely crazy to say after seeing just how putrid, well, putrid yeah. the Scarlet Knights were against Nebraska. And you, and you look at the rest of their schedule. If that holds, they have Illinois at home and Wisconsin at home. So if they can win those two games, too, I mean, that really puts Rutgers in a very, very different conversation. A team that I was – dogging on for a long time for underperforming and now they've started to kind of of reach uh, the level where I think they should be at yeah and then you've got you know the the Wisconsin win getting that uh that that split of Michigan State was really nice Johnny Davis was of course spectacular um again it's been really really cool to see Chucky Hepburn's development he's really starting to come into his own as a quality role player the Badgers are really scary. Um, once they get right, I, I, I mean, Nebraska, that might be a no contest when, when it goes back up there to the end of the season. Um, and then, yeah, that big old Purdue Illinois game had a big, big sort of That was impact. a doozy of a second half. Gavin, what sticks out to you as you uh, peruse the list? Yeah, Wisconsin's such an interesting team because um, obviously the advanced metrics don't like them as much as the record likes them, um, the polls like them. But um, one thing I think is interesting is where you slate them. Uh, Purdue at this point seems to be in a tier of their own after sweeping Illinois. Um, I think I would probably put Wisconsin and Illinois. In, it's a coin toss. Yeah, in their own tier. Um, I think Wisconsin beat Illinois, didn't they? No. Yeah. Well, no, Illinois beat them head to head, and then we still. I believe. Illinois. I believe there is that. That's the only matchup between those yeah, teams. That's, that's a solo. Game. That's. Yeah, that's the only time to play. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's a very interesting team. That's such a solid team that you could see them um, making a decent run in the tournament, um, despite maybe having kind of average talent. Um, talking about some of the more bubble teams or newfound bubble teams, um, Rutgers really wasn't on that radar much at all for most people until um, I guess the last five or so days. Mm-hmm. And then you guys even talked about Northwestern, uh, which. I don't know if that's jumping the gun or not, but just with the opportunities they have coming up, uh, three-game win streak, no ranked teams in that stretch, but doesn't mean nothing. Um, that'll be another team to keep an eye on. Unfortunately, they do not play again this season. But yeah, they might meet in Indy, but that's going to be about it. And, and I, and you know, in my opinion, if well, we'll get into that later. Uh, we'll give you a full rundown of the teams here. So. In order, ranked overall number one, Purdue, followed by Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State at four, Michigan State five, Indiana six, Rutgers seven, uh, Iowa at eight, Michigan at nine, Northwestern ten, Penn State 11, Maryland 12, 13, Minnesota 14, Nebraska. If I had to readjust these rankings based off of what we've seen this week, I'd probably move Rutgers up to that number five spot with the win uh and then i'll slide i would slide indiana to seven michigan state um back to six uh and then i don't know what i would do with ohio state to be honest because ohio state also suffers a loss and so you kind of have a a four-way almost a four-way tie uh, between michigan state i I think ultimately will be better and will finish higher than all those teams um indiana ohio state and Rutgers again. That home field or home court advantage is just immense. Um, let's talk a little bit about Northwestern. That's a team that's really interesting, and now might actually have the ball rolling. I mentioned in here that they have played uh, if their last eleven games, and that doesn't count the Indiana game, which would actually make it twelve if I'm counting this properly. Uh, in their last twelve games, uh, ten of the twelve have been separated by ten points. You have a 20-point loss to Purdue and then the 24-point win over Nebraska that are the outliers. So they've been in a very, very um, close game just about every contest. Now, unfortunately, they've come out on the losing end of most of those games, and that's why they are where they are right now. But it feels like they're starting to get the ball rolling here with the win over Rutgers. You get Nebraska, Indiana, and now you have to play probably your two biggest games of the season with Illinois and Purdue. If that, if the Wildcats can pick up one of these and win their last four, which is very winnable, Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State, Iowa, and then Minnesota again, you could see this team find their way into the NCAA tournament possibly. Now, they're going to they're gonna need to win one of those games with Illinois and Purdue. They need that boost. But this is a team that has suddenly kind of gotten hot late, and it's sort of surprising in some ways. But then again, if you look at their margins of defeat and or victory, it isn't. I think <clears throat> that, yes, Northwestern is trending towards that bubble, but it desperately needs a win over Illinois or Purdue. I mean, right now, Northwestern's best win probably is uh, his, is Indiana and Michigan's in, and at Michigan State, at yep. Michigan State's far and away. Where it's not done any favors is that non-conference schedule. It's horrible, 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 horrible. And, you know, what a missed opportunity, I guess, looking back on it. Who would have thunk in November that Providence would become this 20-2 and two super yes. team? If or Northwest- Wake Forest, even. Yeah, or Wake Forest. So if, if, if Northwestern would have found a way to pick off one of those two, we could be in a very, very different situation as we, we analyze this team. 
Illinois on the road and Purdue at home are going to be tough. They're not impossible feats to pick off one of two, but then the schedule really lightens up. I mean, Minnesota is <laughs> is not a team that I think is very good, uh, and they've got them twice. That's just an opportunity to boost some wins. Um, I think that splitting the, those are huge, and then for the Wildcats, I also think that a win in Indy is probably a yeah. Nice I think it's. I agree. That's a prerequisite as well. As well. Yeah, uh, that's a big one. Um, one of the things that I just kind of found interesting a little bit too, and a team that I think we might need to start talking about, especially after its loss to Rutgers last night, is Ohio State. Mm. I don't really know what to think about the Buckeyes right now. I kind of a little indifferent, but I also kind of think it might be time to start selling the stock a little bit. Uh, big game at Michigan. Uh, this Saturday against a Michigan team who really, really also needs also a good on the win, bubble, yep. uh, and also on the bubble. Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State. Two games against Michigan are left on Ohio State's schedule. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of opportunity remaining here for Ohio State to slip up a little bit. Uh, EJ Liddell is great, but they haven't got a ton of consistent production. It feels like around him, he's been really, really good this year. He, in fact, he's he's third on on Ken Palm's Player of the Year statistics. But it just kind of feels like Ohio State is him and not a ton else. Last year, when they were able to make that run, they had a, a nice little complement of guards around uh, that force inside. But it kind of feels like the Buckeyes are a team that are pre- like kind of teetered on the edge a little bit of fallen off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and so did I read that EJ Liddell didn't get a shot in the final four minutes? That checks out. I didn't catch the end, but he did not take the last shot. I believe it was their their last play that they drew up was like a little baseline. It was a baseline. It was a blob play, and they ran a little corner curl screen action okay. to, to Justin Arns for a corner three, which I believe and he's been the hot hand. End. So, I mean, I, uh, I can get that. Yeah. No, he didn't. That's kind of absurd. And Rutgers is, is a good defensive team, but I, I'd like my matchup with E.J. Liddell versus Cliff Amore nine times out of ten or whoever else they yeah. stick on him. But the Buckeyes are a really interesting team. So, so Gavin, it seems like Landon thinks Ohio State could be coming on the edge of starting start, start, start to fall out of the picture here. Uh, another team that is in that same category is Indiana. What are your thoughts on the Hoosiers? I mean, you have that huge win over Purdue at home. That's obviously... Uh, going to go a long way for this team. Currently uh, in ESPN's Bracketology, the Hoosiers are a projected seven seed, uh, but that does not account for the Northwestern loss on Tuesday. So that was as of Tuesday morning. So that'll obviously change later today or tomorrow. Remaining schedule, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and then Purdue at the end of the year. Those are the ranked teams that are left. You have three easier games against Maryland, Minnesota, and Rutgers. What does the outlook look like for Indiana, do you think? Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that seven seed does seem uh, a tad high. They, given their the current state of their resume, before we get into the uh, remaining schedule, Indiana still very much seems like a team we would categorize as should be in um, rather than right on the bubble. Um, but yeah, definitely trending downward a little bit. Uh, that Illinois game kind of slipped out of their hands at home and ended up not being all too close and then the Northwestern loss also is understandable um, given their state of their uh, roster depth or lack thereof and playing at Northwestern Um, but yeah this is this is kind of a gauntlet of a schedule coming up at least the next three games at Michigan State versus Wisconsin at Ohio State Um, that Ohio State game especially could be big for there's a very good chance either one of these teams could be further slipping by that point and um, those three games are all in the next nine days. Um, after that, they have a few winnable games, and then at Purdue to finish the season. But yeah, this is a team, uh, pretty pretty solid resume. Again, 
pretty lackluster non-con. They did get a win at Notre Dame, which has aged pretty well. Yep. Um, and then other than Purdue, their best win in conference play was a pretty dominant home win over Ohio State, um, which now may not even be a top 25 team. But 7-6 uh, and six right now, what do you think they need? Probably just win. I mean, they need to go. They need to get at least two, I think, of those four ranked teams. Yeah, I think it, it would take kind of a meltdown for them to slip out. Um, especially yeah. Maryland, Minnesota, Rutgers, I guess, is trending upwards. But yeah, if they um, want to, I guess, if they want to hold where they are, where they are around that seven spot, they need to get go at least one and three in that stretch. Absolutely, maybe two. Yeah, that's if, what I think. If they just won those three games, even um, Maryland, Minnesota, Rutgers, they'd probably be fine. But um, would definitely fall a couple seeds. So let's do something here a little bit interesting. I'm going to put you guys on a spot. Uh, we'll start with Landon, but I want you guys, and we'll do this as we go for the final three or so weeks of uh, the regular season, but uh, I want to hear from Landon. Who do you think is going to win the Big Ten regular season title, and then who wins the tournament in Indy? This is a good good exercise here. I need to just refresh myself on the standings, of course, just so I can get a good good picture okay so we've got Purdue Wisconsin Illinois in a three-way tie uh, Michigan and Ohio State are a, a game back I think that of the Big Ten regular season champion I would say that it's probably going to come from one of those four I, I know not like the most insane take in the world um this is on the spot I don't know if I like this very much uh okay <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb based on no backing at all whatsoever and I'm gonna say that you know what? Why not? Wisconsin wins the Big Ten regular season oh. title. Um, okay. And the reason I say that is because I think that they're playing good basketball right now. I think they've got a, a few favorable matchups remaining. Uh, I would say that Wisconsin's toughest remaining games are at Indiana, which is going to be tough. That's going to be a, a dogfight between two really good Big Ten teams. And then home against Purdue, which I think is a winnable game for Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, and if Wisconsin can get that leg up on the Boilermakers, I think obviously it'll have the inside track to the regular season crown. Um, and then aside from that, you've got Rutgers away um, for, for uh, Rutgers, so that should be a pretty simple win for Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan at home, which I think the, the Badgers still have the upper hand in that matchup. Uh, Minnesota away, Minnesota is uh, Minnesota. You do have to go to the rack, which is a little challenging. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I just think that Wisconsin's playing good basketball. I think there's more opportunity for Purdue to slip up. I think that at Michigan tonight um, for Purdue might be a game that Purdue loses. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. And at Northwestern. So I'm going to go with, with Wisconsin winning the regular season title. Um, and then for the Big Ten tournament, uh, I'll go Purdue. Okay. So Purdue Big Ten tournament, Wisconsin uh, regular season. Purdue. Yeah, Wisconsin has the head-to-head on Purdue too, yeah, so. uh, which could come up uh, important down the stretch. How about you, Gavin? I think regular season it has to be Purdue right now. Um, they have the tiebreaker right now with the win over Wisconsin, and then as Landon mentioned, at Wisconsin um, March first. I don't know how what the tiebreaker is if they end up losing that one and then they split the. Uh, Series because they're both ten and three in conference play right now, um, but just the way Purdue has won six in a row, um, nine of their last ten, it seems like they're trending in the right direction. Obviously beatable given their um, defensive issues, but um, they seem right now to be the best team in the conference. Uh, for the Big Ten tournament, I was originally thinking Wisconsin. I don't know why, I just like this 
Wisconsin team this year, um, but I am a little concerned about them being uh, heavily predicated on just one singular player, Johnny Davis. Um, obviously, some solid role pieces around him, but and I don't like this. I think I'm going to go with Illinois. Um, I just have I've had a hard time buying into Illinois this year. Obviously, their pieces are great with Curbelo and Coburn if they can finally get them 100% healthy on the floor together, um, but we've seen they haven't uh but i think that team has the probably the highest ceiling and that'll be my way too early tournament champion pick you know i'm pretty confident in both of these um for a number of different reasons but i i I think purdue wins the regular season title i have a lot of confidence in what the boilermakers have left for the year uh jaden ivy at this point is almost underrated i feel like uh compared to some of the individual talents within the Big Ten besides Ivy, and Ivy kind of gets lost, I think, in the in the talk about Edie and Trevion Williams. And so uh, I, I think he is playing potentially better than Johnny Davis at this point uh, in this season. So that, obviously that could change. But I, I think Purdue comes out on top in the conference standings when it's all said and done. When you look at the tournament, and this is the one I'm the most confident in, it's hard to beat a team twice. It's very hard to beat a team three times. And I think Illinois is going to come out on top in Indy. I I feel really, really good about this one. And a lot like Gavin, I had some struggles to buy into this team, especially early in the year. They lost to, uh, gosh, who was it that they lost to? Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yeah. Yeah. I knew it was. Yeah, that was a bad loss. And that was right after Kofi came back uh, from his his, uh, nil suspension. So, uh, I since in that early December I struggled, but then when they took Arizona down to the wire and started to get things rolling, I started to have a lot of confidence in this team. And so if they can stay healthy, they can get some chemistry going because again you've had a lot of different pieces that have been in and out of the lineup. Curbelo has been in and out of the lineup. Cokeburn's been in and out of the lineup. Frazier at some point, Trent Frazier could go in and out of the lineup. Uh, he looks like he was okay after suffering a kind of scary knee injury uh, at Purdue on Tuesday, but if that team can really find a way to gel fully, even though it seems crazy to say that in February, they can find a way to do that, and I think they will. They have the confidence and the coaching and the talent to win the title, and I I truly don't believe that they will lose prior to meeting Purdue. Uh, So I think uh, the Illini win the Big Ten tourney. So there's, there's our college basketball talk for you. Uh, we'll touch on a wide variety of topics in our final segment as we say goodbye to Gavin. Thank you for joining us, Gavin. But we'll hit uh, softball, baseball, and a little women's hoops as well. So, again, thanks for thanks for giving us some time today, Gavin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the rest of this hectic college basketball season. And stay, uh, stay uh, with Gavin on Twitter and Landon as well. So when we come back, baseball, softball, and women's hoops here on Scarlet Fever. Big thanks to Gavin's group for joining us here on Scarlet Fever. I'm Grant Hansen. He's Landon Words, and it's time to do the roundup. We're going to touch on a number of different things. Uh, we'll start here with Husker women's hoops in a Big game coming up tonight as we record this on Thursday, Landon. When you will, uh, most of you will be listening to this, it'll be on Friday, so it'll be in the books. 
yeah. already. Kind of a bummer. A really, really big game, though, for the Nebraska women's basketball team. Really good opportunity, especially after uh, we didn't get to hit on you know what transpired with the team. and We probably won't have the time to go too too far back into last week. But kind of a disappointing uh, performance and effort at Maryland. It's kind of been a theme that we've seen running true over these last couple of years. That Nebraska has been able to hang with the middle and bottom of the Big Ten pack. But when that step up in class is taken, uh, it's been a little bit of a shell shock. That performance at Maryland was, was far from ideal. Nebraska wasn't really ever in the game and lost. The difference between last year and this year, though, is Nebraska has that upset win on its resume over Michigan. Yep. Um, and, you know, Nebraska will have plenty of opportunities remaining to, to, to pull some more. The Ohio State game represents a great opportunity tonight. The Buckeyes are a really good um, and efficient offensive team, kind of similar to Maryland. So I think that that could genuinely pose some problems for Nebraska's defense a little bit. But to me, another fantastic opportunity for them is Monday night at home against Indiana. To me, uh, for my money, that's the biggest game of the season for the Nebraska women's basketball team. It's going to be a huge opportunity for Big Ten placement, potential NCAA tournament seeding. It's going to be an awesome game. I'm really looking forward to see how they respond um, in a game against a really, really good Indiana team. That, to me, is going to be like the game premier game of the yeah I was going to say your assessment as that being the the game of the season uh, to me is 100% accurate and yeah. it, it's it's you got to get uh, you got to get out there if you're if you're a Husker fan listening you got to get out there to PBA uh, to support the women's team there so the Huskers are 17 and 5 after the loss to Maryland they are in the top half uh, of the Big Ten standings checking in at number seven uh, of 13, 14? 14, 14, yeah. And yeah. Then after, so it's right know, in there, square on there. And then after Ohio State tonight, it's a little bit of a, a little buffer period there with the game against Illinois, who I believe is second to bottom um, in the conference standing. So it's going to be a nice little opportunity to have that bit of a reset before yep. just a huge, huge, huge game. And yes, I would second it. Please, if you're you know available, you don't have Valentine's Day plans, or build your Valentine's Day plans around the game. Like Screw it. It's going to be huge. The team definitely could you know appreciate all the support, and it's going to be a huge game. So that Indiana game is on the 14th. So that'll wrap our women's hoops discussion. But we'll start with the spring sports. They're already here. Yeah. I can't believe it. Wow. Uh, and Landon, off the top of your head, I know this is kind of, again, putting you on the spot, but uh, can you riddle off uh, the DN beat writers for softball and yes, baseball this yes year? Yes, I can. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of wild to me that softball and baseball are right around the corner because that means we're rapidly approaching the halfway point of second semester and, and the end of things. I know it's wild. So, yeah, uh, our softball beat reporters are Caden Hager and Joseph Meyer, but two younger writers I'm really looking forward. Both have you know, already done some softball work this year. I'm looking forward to seeing how both fare. Joseph actually wrote a really, really interesting feature story that is out. Out, um, as we're recording this on Thursday today on the Daily Nebraskan website about the Corona Angels Softball Club and its recent pipeline of getting players to Nebraska. It was really well done, really well researched. I would recommend that as some pre-season reading. So those two are on softball and then on our baseball beat is Justin Slipichka, who has been you know, a stalwart of the DN, been around for a couple years, helped with softball coverage last year, did a great job. He's going to do great uh, on the baseball beat, and we're teaming him up with Hugh Register, who did women's basketball last year, did a really good job there. Um, so two experienced writers that will hopefully do a great job delivering baseball content. I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, they all put out. It's going to be a great season. We're going to have them on, I'm sure, throughout the spring to talk baseball and softball. I'm really looking forward to it. I like the the group we have assembled, and yeah. So there is your uh, your look at that. We'll start with softball here. 
They start this weekend. Yes. Uh, it is a whole host of games, five of them between Saturday or Friday and Sunday. A couple of uh, games on Friday, Omaha and Northern Iowa. Uh, and then Iowa State and Drake on Saturday. Sunday, South Dakota State rounds out uh, that slate. Uh, the Andrews sisters, that's yeah. going to be fun to see them out there on the field again. And then an interesting tidbit from Coach Ronda Ravel's press conference on Wednesday. Uh, she was saying Brooke Andrews is going to be out there in the outfield. I think she I think she even said center field, if I remember correctly. So we'll see Brooke Andrews out there in a place. She played third base a lot of the time last year, and it was kind of a diamond-in-the-rough surprise that that coaching staff uh, discovered over uh, early preseason practice. So that is an interesting wrinkle. Of course, Courtney uh, Wallace will return, and she'll be alongside Olivia Farrell, a couple of I believe they're both fifth-year seniors. I know Olivia Farrell is. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I, I Courtney think so. might just be a regular senior. I think so. They both are seniors on the roster, but I can double it. But, yeah, uh, it's always nice to see a lot of familiar names. That's kind of a similar theme with both baseball and softball. There's a lot of carryover from last season to this season. Softball in particular I, I think is pretty well-primed with the talent level to make a real run at things in the Big Ten. Uh, it's a team that finished around – they were 500 last year, 22-22 uh, and 22 overall. I am really looking forward to seeing what softball is able to accomplish. I think it's a team that's definitely primed to make a, a big step here in, in 2022. Both Olivia Farrell and Courtney Wallace are captains for this uh, 2022, I guess now, goodness, 2022 squad. Uh, Kaylee Sievers is also in there, or Carly Sievers, I'm sorry, uh, in there for uh, the women's uh, softball team. Husker Baseball also announced their captains, two of which were put in front of the media on Wednesday in Kyle Perry, starting pitcher, and then uh, Griffin Everett, the catcher. Shea Shanneman also uh, is out there as a captain, and he'll likely be a starting pitcher yet. Don't know what day. Um, and then uh, was it from the bullpen for number four? Uh, it's Cam Chick. Cam, Cam Chick, yes. So nice. it's a wide variety of positions and as uh, the aforementioned Kyle Perry and Griffin Everett mentioned multiple times in their presser yesterday, it's a wide variety uh, of mentalities, a wide variety of ways they think, but they're all united around that same goal. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was very interesting, there's a lot of stakes this year. There could be a lot of expectations for this baseball team, and rightfully so. But much like last year, they're just taking it a day at a time, and they're not really even talking about it according to uh, Coach Bolt, they really don't talk about last year a whole lot. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and that's good, honestly, because you do see a lot of, of the you know stuff that comes out immediately from that, like expectations being set. Last year was incredible. The team was great to watch, but the, it seems like Will Bolt uh, has this team's mindset in a really, really good place um, entering the season, which is good because that's exactly where you know Nebraska wants to be. Obviously, you know the team's going to be the favorite in the Big Ten again. Uh, but it's all about going back and replicating that success. And the fact that last year is, is a distant memory and done and dusted to me is pretty encouraging. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to getting out to, to Haymarket a bunch and watching them play. Yeah. It's a team that's like like the softball team, a lot of returning talent. There's a couple of starting pitching questions uh, right now, but the bullpen is solid as ever uh, and a lot of talent on display. In yeah, the so game. that was another really interesting comment where Kyle Perry is basically like, hey, I know it may sound crazy to say this, but I think – our pitching staff is better than it was a year ago when you lose your first two starters in yeah. Cade Povich and Chance Roach. That's that's crazy to me. I, I didn't catch that that comment. I was, you know, 
mired in stuff yesterday. Uh, but that's crazy to me that you know they have that Kyle Perry has that opinion. I mean, Nebraska's pitching staff was was pretty nails last year. They you know were able to set the tone in so many series with with Roch and Povich. Those guys were awesome. And you know Kyle Perry is going to be that guy that's kind of leading the charge a little bit. But I'm really curious to see you know. Which 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 guys step up behind him? We're going to get a pretty good idea here soon as they get into their season uh, in Texas uh, two weekends from now. Yeah. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that rotation looks like and sitting down and taking a look at you know how things shake out early on in the season. Griffin Everett and Kyle Perry both captains, uh, both Nebraska natives. So too is Jay Shanneman, uh, Grand Island uh, for him. So yeah, it's it's an exciting time. Baseball and softball just around the corner. In fact. Uh, the Husker baseball team will open up their season next weekend. Next weekend at Sam Houston State in Texas. So, a lot of fun oh, things God. on yeah, the horizon, and it is the weather matches what's going on, and so that's actually going to do it for us here on Scarlet Fever. We talked a large number of topics today, including in this little ten-minute roundup, uh, but we spent the majority of the time talking them out. Nebraska men's basketball picking up their first win. We looked at the Big Ten standings and then gave you a look at Nebraska men's uh, baseball, softball, and then women's basketball as well. We'll be back with you next week. We'll get really into those spring sports next week. I think we'll have some softball to break down, uh, and then we'll also get a chance to look ahead and directly preview baseball as they will be set to take on Sam Houston State next weekend. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. You can find Landon Wirt at, on Twitter at Landon Wirt, L-A-N-D-O-N-W-I-R-T. And for me, it is at Hanson15 underscore Hanson. Big ch- uh, thanks to Gavin Strew for joining us here on the podcast to talk men's hoops. And we'll see you next week. This has been Scarlet Fever.